Our reading today comes out of Galatians 5, verses 16 through 26. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit was contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh and with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. I woke up this morning and I knew I was getting a staff. And that'll keep you going, you know? That'll keep you rolling, one, one staff. But hey, it's, a, it's an honor to be with you guys this morning. We, uh, uh, it's a bummer that Kayla couldn't be here this morning, but we, we just love this church and this community. And um, even this week has been just a, a challenging week for us and just feel the support and the love and the care of you guys. So we just, we just love you and are so thankful for this church and for, for who you are and who you are to us. And it is an absolute honor and a privilege to, to be a uh, a pastor now with a staff. So, sorry, I'm just really excited about that. Um, anyways, uh, we have been in the book of Galatians basically since August, and we've just been rolling on through. There's six chapters, so if you're keeping track, we're almost there. Okay, we're at the end of chapter five, and um, it is a, we've just been super encouraged as a people, have we not? Like, I just, I feel like the conversations in our community group, um, the prayer meetings that we're having. There, there's just a lot of stuff that God seems to be doing in people's hearts. And um, even last week, there was just this energy around the sermon and the service that was just nothing short of supernatural, right? Like it was a, the presence of God was just with us and it was, it was amazing. And um, even in some of the conversations I had, there was this real energy. Uh, Jeremy had this line last week about, about the one thing that really matters is that our faith um, is, is energized through, or, or our love is energized through our faith in Jesus, and that we are a people who are invited to become loving people. And um, this morning, really what we're going to talk about is how we actually do that. Because I don't know about you, but there's like been almost everything in my life I get really inspired by, and then my own inspiration, it falls short, you know? It's like it fails. It only lasts a couple of days until I'm back to being who I've always been and what I've always done. And well, this morning is one of the most beautiful passages of how we actually change, how we actually transform into becoming the type of people that God has in mind when he looks at you and at me. It's one of my favorite passages, so it's in my heart, and I might get a little excited this morning. I'm just going to warn you, um, but I, I'm, I'm just really excited for this morning. But let's, let's just pray and invite the Spirit to um, take these words that were written thousands of years ago and to breathe on them and to make them real to us. So let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning as your children and just saying, would you teach us? Would you, would you, shift, would you shift and shape the way that we think this morning? 
Um, as much as we love information and good teaching, what we need even deeper than that is, is your spirit. We need your presence with us this morning. We want to meet with you. We want to encounter the God of these words who speaks to us and who meets us and who invites us deeper into life with you. So we love you and we just say, come Holy Spirit this morning. Amen. Amen. Well, I, I don't know if you've caught this, but Paul does a good job kind of throughout the letter of kind of always given these two ways, you know? He talks about, uh, early on, he talks about the grace and the law. And he's like, you can live by the law or you can live in the freedom of grace. Or um, he talks about, even early on, he talks about life in the spirit and life in the flesh. And, and uh, we talked a little bit ago about uh, living out of a child's heart or an orphan's heart. And he's kind of always doing this kind of compare and contrast thing, which is just like a brilliant way to teach. And he just does it again here, okay? He's comparing two types of life. He's saying there is life with the Spirit, and there is life in the flesh. And what he starts with, it, 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 it's, it's, it's easy for us to kind of read this as like a to-do list, or like this is who I'm, what I'm not supposed to do and what I am supposed to do. But really what Paul is doing here is he, he's vision casting for us. He's saying, can you imagine a life? Here, 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 imagine these two types of lives. And, and vision is important, right? Like, unless you have some kind of beautiful vision before you, it's really hard to make sense of what you're doing in the daily, what you're doing with your habits and what you're doing with um, all of the small things that we're doing day in and day out. I remember, well, first off, I turned 30 in like a month. So I've got like one, I'm giving myself like one more month to do sports illustrations. Is that okay? You guys all right with that? All right. You're like, all right. When is it? December 21st. That's the last sports illustration for the rest of my life. But for, for this morning, Okay. Um, now that I have a staff, I have to stop using sports illustrations, I think. <laughs> um, but I remember when my dad taught me how to shoot a basketball. He, he started with like all the, the fundamentals and the mechanics. And he said, Cam, you got to keep your elbow in. And Cam, you got to let the ball roll off your pointer finger. And I was like, dude, all right, like whatever. Like, I, you, you know, like it's just like telling a nine-year-old to like get your elbow in. It's just like, okay, dad, might as well tell me to take out the trash. Like, I don't care. But then I remember my dad, my dad, can, my dad can shoot the basketball. He's like 55 years old, and the man can still get buckets. I'm just telling you right now. He'll still go out there. He's a PE teacher. It's what he does. He gets paid to still get buckets, okay? Um, but I remember he took me out there, and he showed me. He said, hey, watch, okay? If you're not going to buy in, let me show you. And he showed me again and again and again. This is what it looks like. This is what it feels like. I remember him putting the J.J. Reddick videos on. Anybody love J.J. Reddick? No, we hate Duke because, <laughs> you know, Nobody likes to. He's got a great podcast, by the way, JJ. All right, just, just, that's, that's, that one's free. But he, he showed me these videos. Look how JJ keeps his elbow in. Look how it rolls off his pointer finger. And I saw this vision of what, what I could become. You know, I'm like, there's somebody who's slow and unathletic and still playing at a high level. I'm going to get my elbow in. I'm going to let it roll off my pointer finger. You know what I mean? Like, like having some kind of vision for our life, it helps us make sense of the maybe seemingly uh, irrelevant or frustrating kind of commands that come in the daily. And that's what Paul is doing here. He's laying out a vision for us. And the vision that he lays out is actually a little bit interesting. Because I don't know about you, when you think about the vision for your life and what that might look like, most of the time it's like what we are going to do, the things we're going to achieve, the things that we're going to accomplish, the, uh, the, the, the social moves that we're going to make or whatever that is. But what Paul is doing here is he's not giving us the things of, of what we can do, but he's, he's giving us a beautiful vision of who we can become. And I just wonder for us, is that, is that the heart of the vision of our lives? Who do I want to become? What kind of person do I want to be? 
Not what do I want to do, what are the things I want to achieve or accumulate or accomplish, but who do I want to be? Because I don't think those things are necessarily bad, like accomplishing and achieving and setting goals and achieving them. Those are great things, but, but they, they just don't have the same weight as, as character does. They can't hold you. They can't sustain you and carry you through the hard things in life because you know that feeling. You know that feeling when you've, when you've set a goal and you've achieved it and then you wake up the next morning and you still have that emptiness inside that you've always had and that it didn't satisfy you the way that you thought it would. That you got that grade on that paper, that job that you always wanted, and then you wake up and you're like, I guess I'm still just me. But it's your character. It's who you are. That's what he's saying. He's giving us this vision. More than what you do, let me give you a beautiful vision of who you can become. That's what he's doing in us. He wants to cultivate a deeper, longer-lasting vision for our lives. A vision that can carry us, that can sustain us through suffering, through hardship, through a recession, through whatever it might be, but who we are will bear the weight of the hardships of life. And what he does here is he does this compare and contrast the, the fruit or the outflow of these two lives. They can be seen in these two types of people, these two kinds of lives. One, he says, is the works of the flesh, and the other one, he says, is the fruit of the Spirit. And I love how Eugene Peterson translates it, mostly because it avoids some of the words that I didn't want to read out loud this morning that you heard, and you were like, I'm in church all right, we're here, you know? But I love Eugene Peterson's translation in the message. He says this about the works of the flesh. He says, it is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage, frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness, trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, and all-consuming, never-satisfied wants, a brutal temper, an impotence to love and, and to be loved, divided homes and divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community, says I could just go on. And it's interesting even when you compare the two things, because the fruit of the Spirit has this just like beautiful poetic language, right? It's like love, joy, peace. But this one just feels like he was just kind of on, you know, he's like, let me just write a list of what I've seen on Twitter this week, you know? That's kind of basically what he's doing. And that's actually the spirit of it. It's like, it's just random. It's bad. We could just make lists and go on and on and on. It's not very specific like the fruit of the Spirit is, but it's just this list of things that we all feel and sense. It's this lifestyle, the repetitive, loveless, joyless grabs for happiness, the small-mindedness, the lopsided pursuits, the temper that lives inside of us. And these are the things that we tend to not like about ourselves, right? Like, these are the things that we, deep down, we kind of know, we feel. Even as I say these things, you kind of feel a little sting in your heart, like, oh, that one might be me, you know? And it's not the things you like, right? Like, no one's at CG just being like, hey, <laughs> my temper's been great this week. I've just been really getting angry. It's been awesome, right? No, we call that confession, you know? We're like, Man, my temper's got the best of me. N nobody sits in a community group or around their friends, around the table, and they're like, man, I'm just so happy that I'm comparing myself with everyone and their mom lately. Nobody says that. <laughs> we don't like that stuff about ourselves. We don't like the, 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 the fruit or the works of these things. We don't like it. And it stings because we don't like that part of us, the, the envy and the jealousy and the comparison that lives inside of us. We're not proud of that. And what Paul is saying, he's saying this is one way of life. This is the output of what happens when you live by the flesh. This is what the flesh produces, not the life you want. 
the things about yourself that, 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 that you want to get past, that you want healing from or freedom from, it's what the flesh produces. But then he says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And man, we, we, we hear that list everywhere, right? Like, you've been to Hobby Lobby. Like, you, you, you've seen a coffee cup or decor or you're not a Christian in this place. You've seen this, you know? It's, 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 it's not... It's not new. You're not like, oh my gosh, the fruit of the, that sounds great. You know, you, we, we've heard this before. We know this. But I think oftentimes we, we see it as the things that we're supposed to do rather than, than a vision of who we could become. I mean, I mean, could you really imagine? Could you imagine a life, living a life that is actually marked by love? Actually becoming the kind of person whose first instinct is to put someone else's needs before your own. To sacrifice your time for someone and get nothing in return. And just be totally fine with that. Not even fine, but like happy. Like, can you imagine becoming that kind of person? Can you imagine experiencing peace? <laughs> like real peace. Like in the midst of whatever stressful, chaotic, anxiety-driven experience and culture we're living in, experiencing real peace. To be able to lay your head down at night with no phone, no show, just silence <laughs> and just fall asleep because you're not worried about anything. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine having that deep-rooted peace? Can you imagine joy, like real joy, like really being happy, like not based on getting something or getting somewhere or any of your circumstances, but just being a genuinely joyful person? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine not being in a hurry? Can you imagine like not like being stuck at a red light or in the longest line in the grocery store and just being like, yeah, I'm cool. I'm great, you know? Can you imagine telling your kid, your kid something for like the 18th time and be like, it's all right, buddy. You're just a kid. It's fine. You know? Can you imagine? Or even in a, more, in a bigger way, like can you imagine whatever you're waiting on from God and being content while you're waiting? Can you imagine that? Like can you imagine feeling contentment, being coming an actually patient person? That's the vision that Paul is laying out for us. It's not a list of things to do, but it's a vision of who we can become. And sometimes I wonder, man, if we, we, we hang these things on doors and coffee cups and whatever, I could keep going on that, but, but I wonder if we actually consider the, the audacity that Paul has when he lays these things out here. Like, it's not a small thing he's saying. He's like, yeah, the fruit of the Spirit, it's love, <laughs> it's joy, it's peace, it's patience. Like, these are some, these are some life altering, life-changing words and realities that the Spirit of God is actually inviting us into. And I wonder what the church, the big C, the, the church in general, and our church even, what it would be, what we would be known as if we were marked by the fruit of the Spirit. I mean, it sounds nice, but, but even fruit in and about itself actually isn't even for us, right? I mean, I mean, no one goes to like an orange tree and is like, yo, that's a sweet orange tree, and like walks away. Like the, the orange tree, whoever plants that orange tree is hoping that oranges are produced from that tree so that people will eat those oranges and squeeze those oranges and make orange juice out of those oranges. Like it's for other people. So even our own fruit that we would experience that is actually one of the most missional ways that we live as a church and as individuals, right? Psychologists, they have this term called an emotional field. And it's the experience others have of us when we enter into their presence. 
It's the relational radius that flows from our inner self to those around us. Our emotional field determines the effects that we have on others who live in proximity to us, to those who encounter us in daily interactions. Your emotional field, the presence you carry, is actually the primary way that you affect other people. So you might not even know it, but that's actually one of the primary ways that you are witnessing to the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus is to your emotional radius, to the fruit that you're actually producing in your life. And I mean, if you, I mean just, just think about it for a second, right? Like even in our cultural moment right now, like truth is truth to whatever, right? Like you can say whatever you want and it's truth, okay? I can look at apple tree and be like, it's an orange tree. And I'll be like, that's cool, bro, whatever, you know? But when you take down the, the, the tree from the apple, from that orange tree and it's like, oh, that's, that's an apple, bro, that's not an orange. They experience it, right? There's fruit. Jesus said, I'll, they, they will know you by your, I'll know you by your fruits. I'll know you by, the, by what you're actually saying. So our truth, our words, like they're just words unless they're actually experienced realities in our lives and are being experienced by people around us. Does that make sense? Are you with me? And even Jesus, right? He, he didn't say, hey, uh, the, wor- the world will know you're my disciples by the ideas that you have, by the thoughts that you say, by the things that you tweet, right? That's not what he says. He says, you will know, the world will know you're my disciples by the way that you love one another by the fruit that people are tasting and experiencing from your life. And I don't know about you, but, but when I read these two things, and even when I compare and contrast, even the, no, no matter how beautiful the vision is, I, I feel the weight of it. I feel the gap in my own life. I feel the, 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 the clearly identifying more with maybe the works of the flesh than the fruit of the Spirit. And, and how we deal with that gap is of the utmost importance. Because how we deal with that gap, we, we, have to, we have to see and sense Jesus in this moment. We have to see and sense the invitation of Jesus far more than any condemnation that comes from Jesus, okay? And this matters because Jesus, there is no condemnation for us in Christ Jesus, but only invitation. And so even as we feel that little twinge in our spirit when we read these words, when we hear these words, we have to hear them with an invitational Jesus in mind, right? Like even in John chapter 8, when Jesus, there's this woman who's caught in adultery and, and she's pulled out before Jesus, thrown at his feet. She says, what, the law says this, Jesus, what do you say? And you know what he said, right? He bends over the slowness of Jesus, the gentleness of Jesus. We need to see this as we feel conviction of sin. He bends over and he says, neither do I condemn you. There is no condemnation in the voice of Jesus. So even as we understand this passage, we need to understand the voice of the Spirit inside of us. Because for too many of us, we, we hear a voice inside and we just assume that it's just God, and it's not. We have an inner critic inside of us that is constantly longing to condemn us. We have an enemy who's opposed to us, who wants you to feel shame and worn down by the, by the weight of your sin. And Jesus says, there is no condemnation for you. There's no condemnation left, by the way, because Jesus took all of it on himself. So there's none left for us so there's only invitation. All he's doing is he's trying to, t- trying to reveal some fruit in our lives and, and just to have us dig deep enough to pull that fruit out and define what is the root of it. And it's an invitation to say, are you living by the flesh or are you living by the Spirit? Jesus does not condemn his children. He only invites us to follow him. And it's why Paul casts a vision that ultimately leads to an invitation. Paul ultimately wants us to get to that root. He's casting a vision only to point us to the, to the means of that fruit or those works, right? He identifies the fruit so that we can dig deep enough to find out what the root is. 
And he says, right, the one way is of the flesh. And we've talked about the flesh a handful of times. I did a couple sermons ago, but, but let's just kind of do a little re- a recap. Richard Lovelace, he says this about the flesh. He says, the flesh is the parts of you and me, the mind, body, soul, spirit, that are not yet under the influence or control of the Holy Spirit. Right, so we said this earlier in the series, but, but we say this sometimes, sin, or even right here, the works of the flesh, really what it is is us trying to meet our deep need with our own resources. Okay, it's, it's not a bad desire, but it's what Tim Keller would call an over-desire. It's wanting something, a good thing, too much, right? And, and, and so the flesh is wanting to get those things, the things that we desire by our own resources. The flesh is our own resources, the flesh is trying to live by my own power, by my own willpower, by trying to define what good is and what bad is by my own. How Eugene Peterson said, trusting my own way. That's what the flesh is. Right? And that's basically what Paul is saying here. He says the flesh is going to do what the flesh is going to do. We should not be surprised when we act in these ways because it's what the flesh always does. You don't better your flesh, by the way. <laughs> the flesh stays the flesh. Okay? The flesh is always the flesh, and it's always going to do these things. So a terrible strategy to try to fix your flesh is to say, I'm going to stop doing that. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to stop getting mad. <laughs> Has that ever worked? <laughs> it doesn't work. But isn't it funny? That's what we try time and time again. We're like, I'm just going to quit it. Uh, I don't like that about me. I'm going to stop it. But you're no match for your flesh. <laughs> you can't manage your flesh. And that's what Paul is saying. He says, the only thing that can actually drive out the flesh is the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. He says, so walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The invitation from the Spirit isn't saying, stop doing that, but it's walk with me. It's an invitation to be shaped by and empowered by the Spirit. The Spirit doesn't say, stop doing that. But he says, you just need to change your power source. You need to change the root and I'll change the fruit. Isn't that what Jesus says in John 15, right? Maybe some of the most scandalous words Jesus says. He says this, abide in me and I will bear much fruit and you will bear much fruit. Isn't that crazy? The invitation says, just just be with me. Just spend time in my presence and naturally overflowing organically, fruit will will start to come out of your life. That's what he's saying. He's saying, walk with me and I will produce the fruit. You don't need to manage your flesh, but we need to walk by the Spirit. And this, this matters in how we frame things, even in how we frame what that is when we sense those things that we're not in alignment with who God has made us to be, when we really sense the gap because there's two real ways that we can go. We can either say, we can either kind of go into this shame, condemnation way, or we can go into the, I'm going to stop doing that way. But there's a third better way that just says, it's the Spirit of God. And He's lovingly inviting you and convicting you so that you can experience better life more life with him in his presence. It's sensing our powerlessness without the Spirit. We've had those moments. You say, I just can't do this without you. Every failure, every shortcoming can either be covered up by shame or striving, or it can humble us again to say, Holy Spirit, I'm nothing without you, and I need you right now, and I can't do this unless you come. And even as we talk about renewal and personal renewal, it always starts here when we realize not just the fruit is off in our life, but the root is off. That we are too self-reliant, that we're depending on ourselves and that we need something outside 
of ourselves. John Ortberg, he says it this way. He says, anytime you see life flourishing, it is because it is receiving nourishment from outside of itself. Isn't that interesting? I'm not a real gardener, but I'm like, man, that kind of makes sense, you know? Like you plant a seed, the seed doesn't just sit in there and, and grow, right? It, it receives nourishment from outside of itself so that it can grow. See, that's how life always works. Life in the garden, life in our own souls, that we need nourishment from outside of ourselves. So that's the question to us this morning. What do we do to nourish ourselves? How do we actually live life with the Spirit? How are we actually led by the Spirit? How do we actually keep in step with the Spirit of God? In a lot of ways, this is where this passage and even this book intersects with the vision of our church, right? We, We exist to practice the way of Jesus together for the renewal of all things. That we believe that we are entering into a process of becoming like Jesus. That's why we use this language, spiritual formation. That we are being spiritually formed to look more like Jesus and we're entering into a journey of doing that. And that we do it by entering into the practices. That we are practicing this way together. That we're not arriving somewhere, but that we're entering into a process of trying to become like Jesus. To being with Jesus, to becoming like him, and then to to being like him in the world. It's practicing the way of Jesus, and that's our goal as a church. Our goal as a church is to keep in step with the Spirit. That's what Jeremy said at the celebration dinner, right? He says, we're always asking God, as a church, who do you want us to be? We don't want to be ahead of the Spirit. We don't want to be doing things on our own volition. As a church and as individuals, we want to keep in step with the Spirit. So we say things, who do you want us to be? Who do you want me to be as a person? And we enter into this process of being formed by the Spirit into the image of of Jesus. And that word is imperative to us, practicing. It is having practices that create space for the Spirit of God to work and to move. It's also a little frustrating because it has this kind of active passivity to it. It's like in Ephesians 5 when Paul says, go ahead and just be filled with the Spirit. You're like, okay. It's like saying, go be called by your mom. It's like, I'm just going to like, what do I do, you know? Do I just pull out my phone and wait for mom to call me, you know? I, I don't know. It's this active command that also is like passive, but it's us being invited, but it's the spirit doing it, you know? It's confusing at times, but that's ultimately what it is. It's us creating space in our lives for the spirit to actually come. It's making ourselves available for the Holy Spirit to move and to transform us, to become the people that he wants us to become, to have the, the fruit of the spirit in our lives. And we could do an entire sermon series on practices, but I'm just going to kind of talk about how Richard, Richard Foster gives some really good paradigm of different practices that we do as a church that, that we also just invite us to do as individuals. But he, he breaks them down into kind of three categories, and you're probably doing a handful of these already. But it's just a reminder that these things are not small things. These aren't just checking a, a box, but they're invitations to be shaped by the Spirit of God. So he breaks them down into three, into three categories, three realms, inward practices, outward practices, and corporate practices. And he says, inward practices are the, the solitude, the prayer, the scripture, the time by yourself, just you and God, where you create space for him to reveal things, for him to pull on the works of the flesh and real and, 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 and prove to you that you need more of his spirit. Moments by yourself where you can hear the voice of the father over you saying, this is my child and no longer do you need that voice from other people, but it's this time, it's the secret place with God that forms us, the inward practices. 
And they look different for all of us, but, but ultimately it's just our, our own time with God and the Scriptures and prayer with the presence of God. Then there's outward practices that form us. That looks like serving. Serving our church, serving in our community. That looks like playing your role in, in regards to our city, being around in, in proximity to the poor and the needy, living out justice in our community. Those are outward practices, sharing your faith, being evangelistic. They're, they're, they're outward practices that form us, that build courage into us, that build compassion and empathy in us. They're, they're practices. As much as they are us trying to like have an impact on the world, they also have an impact on us. And by us being outward, we are formed more into the image of Jesus. So inward, outward, and then there's corporate ones. That's what we're doing this morning. It's a corporate practice that we do this every single week. That I don't know how you came in this place, right? Like, like some of us, our heads are low. We're just trying to barely get in here. But when you sing a praise to Jesus together and you hear voices around you, it does something to you and it forms you and it shapes you. And all we're doing here, right? You just barely rumbled in here. You got kids in here. Like I didn't even make my, my kids didn't make it here this morning. You know, like we barely rolled in here. But all we're doing, we're just creating space. I'm just saying, God, meet with, meet with me again with your people, as a community. We're, we're asking God to form us as a people. It's why we do things like worship, like liturgy, why we walk through the liturgy, why it starts with adoration and it leads to confession and then assurance of pardon. We're, we're asking the liturgy by the power of the Holy Spirit to shape us and to form us by the good news of Jesus. And even things like the celebration dinner, those are corporate practices that are lifting our eyes, that are making our hearts grateful. I mean, we're, we're in a cynical society that is negative almost all the time. We're just taking two nights a year to be like, hey, can we just be super positive? <laughs> We're just going to celebrate all the goodness that God is doing in us. And it's a practice. I don't know about you, that Tuesday before the celebration, during, I didn't feel like celebrating. <laughs> you know, I'm not like, let's go. I'm so hype. You know, it's like just Tuesday. But you get there Wednesday and you create space and the spirit of God does something in us. That's what the practices are. And all this is, is just, just to say, how am I walking by the Spirit? Am I creating space for Jesus? And the practices are one thing, but maybe even deeper than that is our own posture to how we walk in step with the Spirit, right? Like, we've all been through phases in life, you know? We all had our phases. Like, some of you had like a goth phase in high school. Some of you had like an emo phase or like a, like a punk rock phase or a I don't know what else other phases, you know. Some of you are in a phase, you know. <laughs> all right. All right. But I had a phase in college, okay? Just a short phase. You might not see it now, but I had a, I had a it was about a month in Greeley, Colorado, where I went through a country phase, okay? I didn't buy boots, but I thought about it, you know. Um, but I got really into swing dancing for a month, okay? We ran out of things to do in Greeley, Colorado, okay? So we went, me and my buddies, we started going swing dancing, and we kind of picked it up for a little bit. We kind of figured out how to do a little bit. But here's one thing that I, I learned about swing dancing. It does not work when there are two people who are trying to lead in the swing dancing, right? Now, my wife's not here, so I'm not going to say anything about her and how she would like to lead in the swing dancing, and I would also, I'm just not going to say that because she's not here. But it doesn't work when two people are trying to lead when you're swing dancing, right? There is a clear, if swing dancing is to work, most dancing probably, I'm not very educated, only a swing dancing guy here, but you need a leader and you need a follower. And that has to be our posture when we keep in step with the Spirit. We have to know you are not the leader. You are a follower, right? 
And even when I, I was in the military for, not really, I went to the Air Force Academy for one year, but I learned how to march. And there are people, the, 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 the main thing that you're trying to do, you have a leader who is calling out the cadence, and you are trying to keep in step with the cadence. And if you step out of step, you wish that you didn't step out of step with the cadence, you know what I mean? But it comes from a voice outside of you that says, this is where you're going, left, right, left, right. And we're keeping in step as we hear this voice, but having a posture of keeping in step with the Spirit is having a posture of being a learner and a listener, a student of the Spirit, knowing His voice. It's why when Joseph shares his story at the celebration dinner, it makes me cry because I'm thinking he's learning the voice of God in his life. He's learning how to keep in step with the Spirit. That's what we're doing. We need to learn His voice, and we know that it's, that it's not just a list of to-dos, but it's relational, right? When you keep in step, when you dance with somebody in the, in the swing dancing, you're not saying, okay, I'm going to go 73 degrees to the left and then 14, right? There's a feel and there's a rhythm and it's relational. You're taking step after step and you're feeling it as you go. That's what it means to keep in step with the Spirit. It means having margin in your life, margin in your schedule. Some of you, I look at your eye count and it's like, there is not one little slit of white. It is colorful, start to finish. There's no space. And I think of Jesus when I look at him, who, the person who embodied walking by the Spirit for us, the way of Jesus. I read this week, man, in John chapter 9, he, he's, it says as he passed by, he's going from one place to another, and as he passed by somebody, he sees that he's blind, he comes over, he has a conversation, and he heals him. But I was just moved by that line. It says, as he passed by. If anybody had a mission, if anybody had a purpose, if anybody had something they were trying to do, it was Jesus, right? <laughs> he's going to the synagogue to teach the words of God, like directly from God. So he's like got something to say, but he's just like on his way. He's like, oh man, hey, and he's got space. He's got margin. He's got space to hear from the spirit and he's keeping in step with the spirit. It's what it means to day in and day out. And the beauty of that is that that is for all of us. That is for us in our workplaces. That's for us on a Saturday afternoon. It's to, it's to learn to listen to the spirit of God inside of you, to know his voice, but we've got to have space for him. So the practices are about, and that's ultimately what our posture is all about. So let me close right here. God loves you right where you are this morning. He's not disappointed in you. He knows everything you're going through, and he is delighted with you. He is pleased with you. And if you left this place and you just wanted to stay the exact same, there'd be no condemnation for you. But Jesus is so much better than that, that the Spirit of God actually invites us to experience more than just that life. He has a life with an easy yoke and a light burden, and it's this abundant life with fruits and joy and love and peace. And just, just this morning, can we just imagine what it might look like to become those kinds of people as we're shaped by the Spirit of God? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your grace. We thank you that we're safe in your presence. We thank you that there's no condemnation for us. And I, I even this morning, if anyone is feeling the weight of their sin, we just silence the voice of condemnation. We ask, Spirit, that you would speak and, say, and speak to our hearts this morning that we are loved, that we are accepted, that we are known completely and loved entirely. And we ask for us as a church, would we be marked by the fruit of the Spirit? Would we be marked by the love that you have for us and be marked by the love and the peace and the joy? And would our emotional field as a church be one that radiates the goodness of God? 
We love you, and we just continue to invite you to shape us and to form us to become like your son, Jesus. Amen.